and welcome to Fourth Wave Feminism, the podcast. I'm Sarah Gemitter. And I'm Jason Burkett. And this is episode three, where we'll be discussing are private companies accountable for gender inequality maintenance? <laughs> I don't know what they call it. <laughs> private companies will often perpetuate or perhaps contribute to gender inequality. Yes. When they're simply trying to make money and capitalize off of our currently standing beliefs. Do we want that to stop? And why? And is it really like their fault? What are they doing wrong? So that's kind of the question of today. Okay. Are they doing anything wrong? My perspective, I'm okay. torn because on one hand, I feel like, look, these companies, they didn't build in these stereotypes. They didn't create this gender inequality. And so the fact that they're capitalizing on it isn't necessarily, well, I mean, it certainly isn't illegal, but it might not even be immoral. So the thing that we're going to do in the next section is Sarah and I are going to come to a, an agreement on what our ideal world would look like. What would fourth wave feminism like to see? What would, what would be an acceptable world? Uh, well, to handle this issue. Okay, but let me let me ask you this question. What if corporations are, in fact, creating gender stereotypes? Not just perpetuating them, but actually creating them. Actually yes. sitting down and, try, and thinking up things to sell us that were not already being sold. Like the shaved legs example. Like the shaved legs example. Which you might want to explain in case not everyone's <laughs> as knowledgeable as I am. <laughs> oh, yes. Because Sarah explained it to me last time we met. <laughs> <laughs> so shaving, for women, shaving their legs today, it's a thing that pretty much most women do. It's not just like a U.S. thing. A lot of women in the world consider shaving your legs to be part of just like what you do as a woman. It's part of your femininity. And that has only been true for the past 60 or 70 years since world about world war ii and, it, and again it started in the united states where when all of the male soldiers went off to war the razor blade companies lost a lot of their market and that in conjunction with the nylon shortage that that combined to be this great opportunity for the razor blade companies to promote this idea of shaving your legs, having smooth legs as being an aspect of fem femininity that wasn't there before. So that's an aspect of femininity that was marketed to us very, very successfully to the point where now not just in the U.S., but in other countries in the world, it is most common for a woman to shave her legs and women who don't shave their legs, that's interpreted as an unfeminine thing or you must be a lesbian or you must be some kind of rabid hippie feminist. These things come and go. But okay. this particular one of like women shaving their legs was invented, was marketed to us. All right. So how would we like the world to be regarding this issue? You're looking at me as though I'm supposed to answer when we just agreed that you were going to go first. So I will redirect that question to you, Jason. Maybe how, you could, oh yeah. How would you like the world to be with regard to corporations and their responsibility towards perpetuating or not perpetuating gender stereotypes or negative gender roles? All right. Thank you for asking. Now, Sarah is a writer and I am a writer. 
as part of my education in how to write plays, it was explained to me that you want to write something that connects with what people already believe. And then if you're attempting to challenge them, like most art will, you, you want to try to guide them to some new epiphany or new way of looking at the world or new, you know, moment. But yeah, so I've been taught that it's okay that people have their beliefs and it's okay to try to steer them. It's part of function of an artist to some extent. Now, advertisers aren't much different. I feel like they also are trying to connect with what people already feel and then change or steer or guide what they want or what they believe for the purpose of uh, selling a product. And so is that wrong? Like, is it wrong if ad folks do it, but not wrong if artists do it? Or is it something we all do all the time and it's just something to be aware of and okay? Does that make sense? That's kind of my question, I guess, is that it seems to me we don't want Colgate telling us how to think, okay? But the, the way to protect ourselves from that is not to yell at Colgate for trying to tell us how to think, but rather to be aware that Colgate only has one goal, <laughs> and it is to get us to buy Colgate. Okay, in an ideal world, okay. in our perfect world, yes. corporations wouldn't perpetuate gender stereotypes because it wouldn't work. Uh -huh. that, that would be perceived as such a undesirable thing that people would say, I'm not buying Colgate. They perpetuate this idea that... It makes me womanly. Exactly. That or, is garbage. Or, I'm furious. I'm not going to buy that line of cleaning supplies because they perpetuate this idea that it is always the woman in the house who's doing the cleaning. That kind of manipulation wouldn't work because people would be so kind of tuned into it and and it would it, and it would not represent the world that we actually live in so that's i think where i agree with you to a certain extent where you're saying all the companies are doing through their advertising and through their marketing is reflecting the world as it is and i'm saying in an ideal world that's not what the world will look like and so when they reflect the world as it is they will necessarily be reflecting a gender equal or gender neutral society. That's an interesting distinction. So it's not that you're against the manipulation. You're against the manipulation when it involves gender stereotypes. No, well, I'm, I'm not fond of the manipulation <laughs> generally. Right. I think for, for me, like what works when marketing to me is what does your product do? Is it something that I need does it do it better than someone else this whole sense of creating a need that doesn't exist aha in our destructively consumerist society <laughs> okay creating these needs that don't already exist because it's like i've got to sell something razor blades then that i take issue with so if razor like in this case an example of razor blades right being sold to women it's a gender thing, right? But you would object to that approach because they're generating a need that isn't there. Right. So you have two problems with that. First, they're generating a need that isn't there. Right. And secondly, it's gender related. Exactly. Interesting. So what would our ideal world look like?
So, Sarah, I put to you, you're okay with businesses trying to sell you their product. I am, yes, fine with businesses trying to sell me their product. And they can do it by creating a little story. Yes. That you and the goal of this little story is that you can visualize yourself in the little story being very happy with some product. Absolutely. All right. So they're not inventing needs, but they are creating little stories and they're asking you to be in the little stories. Mm-hmm. And those little stories are gender neutral, gender equal. They reflect the world, you were saying? Though yes. Tell so me about these little stories. Ideally <laughs> these stories reflect the world in which we live. And then in in this idealized scenario, the world in which we live is a gender equal or, or, you know, whatever we just back in podcast one, we came up with our little uh, nameless amalgam of gender equal and gender neutral. Gender heaven. (laughs) Um, So in an ideal world, that's, that's what we're living in. We're living in a state of, gender equality and therefore any attempt to advertise or market to that gender equal society needs to reflect that gender equal society so in that case the story that they're telling is the story that i i want being told because the world is what i want it to be okay in this in this perfect world right so i'm i'm let's say i'm in business and i'm like i'm gonna make an ad now, in gender heaven, there are men who like to be men, right? They're sure. on board. So can I tell them a little story that's like, if you do this thing, you'll be more manly? Yes, provided there's not some, there's not some way in which being manly is a denigration of being womanly. Right, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> not here in gender heaven. Not here in gender heaven. Okay, okay. So I can still market my manly cologne or whatever so you'd be okay with me doing like if you buy this cologne you'll be more manly in a society in which what it means to be manly is not pushing down restrictive okay yeah all right so kind of the big problem with like like cleaning supplies is not a created need right no we we actually need so the big problem with saying buy these cleaning supplies you'll be able to clean your house and take a lot of pride in it woman is the fact that women are oppressed. It's sort of dialing or tapping into that oppression that already exists. Right. It's reflecting the truth that women do most of the housework. But not by choice. Not, no. Right. But if it were by choice, it'd be like, okay. Right. No one cares. Exactly. But the fact that it's like full choice has never been given. Right. Because it's a cultural. Right. Standard. Okay, I think we're we're making progress. Excellent. So it can't be a generated need. It is allowed to dial up the gender role. So it's almost like once gender equality exists, there could be no sexist advertising. Correct. Ah. Uh-huh. There, there would be no point in sexist advertising because it, it wouldn't work. People would be like, I don't get it. <laughs> exactly. It would, be, it would be very confusing to them. Okay. So you can still market a product to children that makes them want to, like, harass their parents into buying them something, because that's not gender-related. No, that's universal. Well, I think this is... I think I can get behind that. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of economic concerns. Definitely. (laughs) Absolutely. 
So here's the question. How do we get to, and we, we, we recognize, audience, that we're uh, reprioritizing here. We're putting achieve equality and then figure out how to be economically viable. And we're totally comfortable with that. Yes, I'm Fourth totally comfortable feminism. with it. Yeah, we're cool. Equality, then economic growth. And or, we'll get into growth yes. one day. We'll talk about economics and Sarah's views. <laughs> Uh, so. so how are we going to get to our <laughs> ideal world? So here's what my first question to you is. Right now, I don't fault these companies. I don't yell at a company who tells me a little story that says something or steers culture, manipulates us in a way to create a market that isn't there or to tell us how to act, you know? I do. You do, yes. I, I do. Agree. Um, so in my mind, I, I'm on board with the future of fourth wave feminism. <laughs> I think that's an admirable future and I have no objection to it. Right. But how do you foresee getting there without or calling <laughs> without calling those companies to account? Well it's kind of like the solution we came to with Girl Woman. It's not about tearing down girl. Girl woman. It's about building up woman. Right. So let we don't have to tear down these companies that have that did uh lady figs, right? Legos released lady figs. Right. Um which are like a toy that is totally geared towards telling people how to, like little girls, like, oh, little girls comb their hair and they go shopping and they talk and about they like boys. pink and purple. Yeah, like sending all And they all don't like these... to make things. <laughs> That's right. They like it to be done for them already. Yes. See, I have no problem with signing a petition to Lego that says, I am a woman. I played with Legos when I was a kid. I am frustrated by the idea that you would market something that is so narrow to little girls yes you created a story that's going to teach people it's instructional you know right. like these ads are instructional it's good advertising but it's bad for society yeah and it's bad for equality yeah so i agree you know send a petition that's cool but i would recommend anyone who thinks like We'll just send a lot of petitions and we'll just kind of like bark at these companies until they change their actions. I think like that seems like a lot of work and you're kind of on the losing end of who's calling the shots in that situation. Like you have very little no, power. I agree. Like the power in that situation is in the money. Right. It's, it's in the wallet or the pocketbook or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in, it's obviously I will not be buying Lady Figs. Yes. Step one. Step one. And I think and the signing the petition is the way of saying, hey, I'm not buying lady figs. On purpose. On purpose. <laughs> because it's a because I as a young girl, I played with the same Legos that my brother played with. Sure. Definitely making companies aware through peaceful means that we object to this characterization in conjunction with not purchasing sure the products that we find objectionable okay so let's call that method one sure okay method one let's say we got five percent of all americans on board all right What's that's a lot okay yes and it doesn't matter we've, we've done nothing so method one you know like we haven't really slowed the role of these companies. Plus, it's not our goal to slow their role. It's our goal to keep their role rolling, but in the direction we want it to go. 
So I, how do we get there? Okay, my... We need to guide those companies back. We need to manipulate them. Well, see, and that's... Uh, and my, my suggestion is sort of the opposite of that. I'm not suggesting that we manipulate the companies. I think that we need to educate ourselves and our children in how to see these advertisements in a in a critical way so that we are aware when we are being manipulated and so that we ask questions when someone promotes a particular worldview so that we know to ask the question like is that really how the world is is that how we want it to be do i want to buy into that and so the more the more critical and thoughtful we are as consumers the more that the advertisers will not be able to kind of play tricks on us. I agree with that. So we don't, we're not interested in passing laws that say no micro-messaging, are we? No. Did no, you know? I'm... You may know this. Apparently there's like laws in France, maybe. And I could, we should ask Anne to listen to And um, that have, like if you're selling soap, you're allowed to have like a woman in a shower, but you're not allowed to use sexuality to sell a product that has no relevance to sexuality. So you couldn't be like sexy guy on a on the hood of a car to sell a car. Oh, that's or interesting. Or sexy guy in jeans to sell jeans, or sexy woman cleaning the floor to sell floor cleaning products. You're not allowed to use sexuality to sell a product. That is very interesting. But if you're selling shampoo, you can show someone in a shower in like an appealing way, but not in a sexual way. Yeah. So would you want to pass a law like that? I'm just imagining how how nice that must be. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I want it to happen because a law is passed. Right. I want that to be the value that people have. So how do we share that value with them if we're not going to force it on them? (laughs) Well, I agree. Laws are forced. It's very seductive, though, that not that non-seductive. <laughs> the idea of it is very appealing to me. So one of the ways we do it is we teach people to be immune. Right. And recognize no matter what story some private company is telling you, what they're saying is buy this product. Right. And then also giving the the companies are direct feedback about sure. what it is that we would respond to. I think that's valuable where that falls to pieces for me. And again, like that's totally valuable to do that, but please don't let that, you know, when you're like furious and then you do that and then you're like, ah, I did, oh, yeah, I yeah. did no, something. That's, like that's you didn't do anything. Enough. It's absolutely <laughs> you did very little. not enough. Yeah. The other thing is sort of all of the rest of the things that, w- that we're going to do in order to move society towards being the place that we want it to be like that will also have the effect of changing the way that we are marketed to all right so we found some common ground here we did once again oh we're amazing (laughs) i know this movement coming right along uh so as for what you can do to contribute when you see sexist advertising that bothers you you can let the company know, boycott their product. You can train young people and 
old people alike, in, all people. Media your, literacy. Yeah. Oh, media that. literacy. Media literacy is what that's called. There's a term. <laughs> and so, yeah. And then you can protect yourself from the brainwashing. And I would argue it's not worth getting mad at those trying to brainwash you. They are not the enemy. They're just trying to make some money. So while their efforts to make money are also efforts to brainwash you, that's not a reason to, like, be mad at them, really, you know? Like, I think you can just work with them and say, hey, brainwash me better. Brain right. Brainwash or, me without making me more sexist. Or you can refuse to participate in the process. Right. You can refuse to offer your brain up to be washed. Yeah, but we all... I mean, how else will we know what to think? <laughs> <laughs> like, we can't just go off of movies. No, they brainwash no, us too. Yes, they do. And TV shows. Everything. And the Twilight books. No. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so be aware as you wade through the brainwashing world. And maybe, and I'm, I'm trying to think of a, sort of a specific call to action too. Because um, those are like general kinds of things. And I guess I, I would love to ask people in the quest towards media literacy when you're flipping through the magazine or watching the tv or whatever just try to count in a, a half an hour how many advertisements you feel are perpetuating a gender stereotype because they're all going to perpetuate some kind of story yes. they're all going to be trying to tell you some story yes they're all trying to tell you a story which is I, fun. I would just say just like put your critical eye on for Half an hour to start, and <laughs> it's one episode of Modern Family. I don't watch this. Show. Oh, I know. I've heard. I'm just using it as an example. So, but it could be also the Daily Show. The Daily Show. All right. Turn on during while you're watching one episode of the Daily Show. Just turn on that critical eye and ask yourself. So practice asking yourself questions as you see the commercials or as you're watching the daily show itself, you know, and the clips and whatever, what is being sold to you and by whom in that moment. And let us know if you want us to uh, boycott any products because we can't watch that much television. It's true. And don't be a total psycho about it. Don't be crazy pants. Don't be crazy pants. Like everything's sexist. Like genders are okay. We've approved genders for the, <laughs> the utopian future. So genders are allowed. All right. Okay. The uh, end of uh, episode three. Right. And what will episode four be about? Sarah gets to choose the subject. Okay. I would like for us to talk about pornography. Yay. And what fourth wave feminism's vision of pornography would be. Does it exist in fourth wave feminist world? It must. It must, otherwise Jason <laughs> will no longer be part of Fourth Wave Feminism. Yeah, you can't take away the point. It's, it's a deal breaker. Um, <laughs> and if so, and now we're saying so, <laughs> what does that pornography look like? Yes, it will be quite a conversation, Yes, but not a graphic conversation, <laughs> I don't think. But we don't know yet. We don't know what's going to happen. It could be anything. Thank <laughs> you.